Hi there, I'm Father Matt Kovisk, and I'm the rector of St. Mark's Anglican Church in Elkhorn. As we read our Gospel reading for this morning, we hear these words in the Gospel of St. Mark. From there, Jesus sent out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Mark seven twenty four. Now, as you may know, I've returned from vacation a short while ago, and I must admit, I kind of understand where Jesus' intentions lay. I felt like Jesus at times, especially on vacation. I'm sure we all have felt like Jesus at times, wanting to go places and not be recognized for what we do. Sometimes we just want to hide from the world and rest. But sometimes, as you probably well know, that just doesn't happen, does it? In this Gospel reading, one of the stories has a Gentile woman going to great lengths to find him and spend time with him in order to heal her daughter. In case you want to read along at home, we're reading Mark 7, 24-37. Now, the first part of this story is known by many people as the story of the Syrophoenician woman. And for many of us, this preacher included, the word Syrophoenician just kind of rolls off the tongue, or doesn't. When we hear of Jesus being in the region of Tyre, 7 verse 24, Talking to a woman from Syrophoenicia, chapter 7, verse 26, Sidon and the Decapolis, we hear that he's actually going through Gentile territory. Now this is important because Jews and Gentiles got along like oil and water. Their dislike of each other was long-standing. For more, see Ezekiel verse, chapter 26 through 28 and Joel 3, 48. So, not only as a good Jewish man, but a Jewish rabbi, it would have been entirely out of sorts for him to even interact with a Gentile. Not only would Jews not interact with Gentiles, but in antiquity, it would have been out of the ordinary for a woman to even approach a man. And throughout St. Mark's Gospel, we see that exorcisms, like the one here, characterize the overthrow of Satan, and that the traditional distinction between clean, the Jewish people, and the unclean, the Gentiles. For Jesus to react in a very sharp manner towards the Syrophoenician woman, a Gentile woman, wouldn't actually have been out of the ordinary for him. For he is a good Jew. But this might disturb us a little bit because in this passage he is very much not the meek and mild Jesus that many of us have come to know and love. In this passage, he suggests that he should not help her because, quote, the children should be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Mark seven twenty seven. This comment is another dig at the fact that she is a Gentile and not a Jew. Another name for the Jewish people was the children of Israel, and the reference to dogs would not be pleasant. Dogs in antiquity were actually not as well regarded as they are today. They were never kept as house pets. They were dirty, dirty scavengers. And as we read this passage this day, this disdain for the woman might actually throw us off a little bit. Again, for many of us, we don't equate Jesus with having such sharp words for somebody, especially somebody seeking his help. However, in the context of that first century, this all makes sense, 
For Jesus had come to the children of Israel, a.k.a. the Jewish people first. But interestingly enough, after this exchange, extended his compassionate ministry beyond his own ethnic boundaries. And when this story would have been recounted with Gentile Christians, uh, those who weren't Jewish, and in the early church there was a difference, this encounter actually presents Jesus positively. And it does this because we see Jesus validating and blessing their faith by talking and by healing this woman's daughter. It does this even against the background of a very strained history between the two cultures and people. In the face of some insulting remarks, though, the woman still believes Jesus is a holy man. And because of this, nevertheless, she persisted, for a mother's love knows no bounds. And I can imagine that the mother's response to Jesus in this exchange was quick off the tongue. And as I read it, it has that kind of quality to it. In his response to her quick-wittedness, you can almost feel that Jesus pauses for a moment to reconsider his ministry priorities. And that maybe his message about the kingdom of God is for more than just the lost children of Israel. Because Jesus, before this, understands that his ministry is first the Israelites, not the Gentiles. Sure, the Gentiles are part of a new creation, but that would only come after the message had been spread to the house of Israel. And this quick-wittedness on behalf of the woman actually works for Jesus as he heals the daughter who is at home. The mother would return to her home finding the child lying on the bed with the demon gone. So, what can you and I glean from the story of the Syrophoenician woman? As I reflect on the passage this day, I'm fascinated by Jesus' apparent change of heart. Up until this point, Jesus' ministry in St. Mark's Gospel is focused on the people of Israel. Yet, after his interaction with the Syrophoenician woman, he seemingly changes his tune and not only interacts with this Gentile woman, but takes it a step further and heals her daughter. In doing this, he ministers to somebody who isn't part of the children of Israel. Sure, the message, as I said, the message of the kingdom of God was for all, but Jesus' primary audience up to this point was the children of Israel, the Jewish people. And the early church would come to continue this lesson, actually. One of the significant battles in the early church was about the place of Gentiles, non-Jewish people within the church. And eventually, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, would find their equal place within the church. Interestingly, I think in her words to Jesus, the Syrophoenician woman finds Jesus' blind spot which had me thinking about blind spots and more specifically about blind spots in our own lives. And the question I'd like you to think about this day as we close out our time together is this. Where are your blind spots in terms of your own life? Now, as you may know, the thing about blind spots is that we may not know that they exist for as they say, 
it's hard to know what you don't know. And conversations and reflections around your own blind spots are probably best suited for somebody that you really trust to give you the truth about yourself that will hold up a mirror to you and help you discern any blind spots. For again, if we compare blind spots on us to blind spots in a car, we have to do a little bit more looking to see our blind spots. And in exposing Jesus' blind spot to the Gentiles in St. Mark's Gospel, their lives change for the better. St. Mark's Gospel records that he doesn't return home after his interaction with the Syrophoenician woman. He continues to spend time among the Gentiles, healing a deaf man with the speech impediment in this passage, then going on and feeding 4,000 Gentiles and having leftovers to boot. And it is much the same with us. When we acknowledge and work through our own blind spots, we are changed to continue the work of Jesus. You know, that work of proclaiming the kingdom of God, a kingdom of joy, justice, and peace. May God grant us the grace to do this work in our lives, and may God continue to grant us the grace to live as Christians in the world, blind spots and all. And so we pray. God, our Father, who created us in thine image with a mind to understand thee, a heart to love thee, and a will to serve thee, increase in us that knowledge, that love, and obedience, that we may grow daily in your likeness. This we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.